Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. The Jeff Dean Show starts now. Good morning, Tucson, and welcome to the Jeff Dean Show. I am Jeff Dean here with you on this Wednesday morning. October the 6th, 2021, it is 7.02. You're listening here on ESPN Tucson as we are Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. It's been a while since I've uh, had a chance to talk to you guys. It's been a while. Every time I do that, I have to sing that part of the song. I'm sorry. A little under the weather. Late last week, Thursday and Friday, just just one of those things. Uh, You know, you work work as many hours as I do, unfortunately, and uh, sometimes just get a little fatigued. So had to take a couple of days off and then was on vacation for a couple of days. I had scheduled a vacation long before we decided to come back and, and uh, get back on the air here. And unfortunately, it was uh, plans that I just couldn't get out of. So I was out of town for a few days. But I am back, and I am energized and refreshed and ready to uh, – we have a short week this week, only Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. We have a lot of stuff to cover. And I'm not going to – I'm going to try not to backtrack too much, although there is so much that I want to talk about because – God, so much has happened since we last spoke. Now, I'm not going to go all the way back to last Thursday and Friday, obviously. That's just going back way too far. But I will go back to Saturday, the Red-Blue game, college football, then moving on to Sunday with the NFL, Monday, and then, of course, yesterday and anything else that is happening so far this morning. And there are some breaking stories coming out this morning out of the NFL. Stephon Gilmore released by the New England Patriots, the 2019 Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, has been given his outright release from the New England Patriots. They tried to trade him, apparently. They couldn't get a dancing partner. I don't know if they're asking too much or if Gilmore's uh, injuries and and things that have piled on over the last uh, couple of seasons have scared teams away. But nonetheless, he is going to have plenty of suitors in the uh, in the upcoming market. Essentially, now he becomes uh, essentially like a like a free agent where he can. Uh, he can sign with another team. Teams are going to have to figure out their salary cap situations because everybody's already set pretty much for the year. They're going to have to do some things, work some magic, if they want to be able to sign uh, a player of his uh, of his magnitude. There are going to be plenty of teams out there, contenders, or teams that believe they are contenders at least, for an NFL championship looking to uh, sign Stephon, especially with all the, the secondary injuries that have occurred. And I don't mean secondary like not important. I mean Injuries in the secondary for teams, safeties and corners have been dropping like flies. Uh, I'm looking at you, San Francisco 49ers, who are basically on their fourth and fifth string corners right now, um, trying to go out and play against NFL wide receivers, which we saw on Sunday did not work out too well for them. So there are plenty of teams that could use their services. Uh, Tampa Bay, another team that could use a corner. Um, Green Bay, if they you know if they don't want to be starting a rookie all season long at corner, they could go look at corner. I know the Arizona Cardinals are liking what they're getting out of Byron Murphy, of course, but they also start a rookie at corner. Maybe they're looking to shore some things up. So we'll see. It'll be interesting to see what kind of a sweepstakes there is for uh, for Stephon Gilmore. We'll keep a close eye on that. The uh, Cowboys also released Jalen Smith, the uh, very very talented linebacker, of course, out of Notre Dame that they drafted just a few years ago. He has also been released. I think the writing was kind of on the wall for him uh, when they drafted uh, Micah Parsons out of Penn State this year. And so Jalen Smith 
now available if teams want to go out and uh, get themselves a uh, an extremely athletic but oft injured linebacker. And uh, certainly hard to deny his athleticism and talent, but some things you know get brought down to reality when huge, huge, you know, career-altering injuries come into play, as has happened with uh, with Jalen. So we'll keep an eye on that as well. Some uh, news and notes of things like that going on in the show today, as far as our show goes today. Because the Wildcats are playing a home game this Saturday night, of course, taking on the Bruins at Arizona Stadium this Saturday, I'm going to be giving away my tickets to the game. We missed out on Monday and Tuesday. That's okay. You're still going to have two chances today and two more chances tomorrow to register to win my tickets. The way you're going to be doing that is be listening for your cue to text. I will give you the keyword and the text number to text the uh, the keyword to. And then we'll have a window of time for people to text those in and uh, get their registrations in. We're going to give away two pairs of tickets. I have four tickets. We're going to give away two pairs to Saturday night's game against the Bruins as the Wildcats coming off their bye week with the – Jordan McLeod-led Wildcat offense now as he has had some time with the ones, feeling pretty confident. Sounds like the coaching staff is feeling pretty confident, and uh, the players are feeling much better about their standing as far as uh, where they're at rhythmically, chemistry-wise, with the new quarterback. So we'll, uh, we'll, we'll let you know. Just keep listening for that. There will be a chance to win in the first hour today before 8 o'clock and then a chance to win in the second hour during the show as well. So be listening for those as well as maybe anything else we might be giving away today. I don't even know. I, I just got back, got, just got off an airplane last night, and uh, so they may just hand me some things and be like, here, give this away. Here, give this away. You were gone. Here, give this away. Okay. So uh, we'll uh, stay tuned. We got a, we got an action-packed show today, tons and tons of stuff to talk about. Uh, whether we're going to be talking college football, NFL, Major League Baseball playoffs, of course, were on showcase last night as the American League wild card, the Yankees and the Red Sox, a tale as old as time, and uh, the Red Sox, of course, come out ahead, and uh, they win that game 6-2 last night, Yankees. A lot of times in baseball, like when you get into the playoffs, it's such a long season. People tend to only remember how you played you know, maybe at the beginning of the season, at the end of the season. They're like, oh, here's the brackets. So the way they started and this is how it ended. Eventually, I think most teams, can they revert back to what they were. So the meat and potatoes of the, of the season for the New York Yankees, they were a crap offensive team. I mean, they were just awful. They were horrendous offensively. Their lineup couldn't produce runs. They were just kind of scraping together – uh, as best they could to try to win baseball games. Then things caught fire a little bit. The offensive uh, firepower showed up. The lineup started uh, banging out more hits and more runs. Judge and Stanton started hitting more dingers. I mean, it was it was starting to look like you know, maybe the the you know the offense was going to start rounding out. The, the lineup was going to become what a lot of people expected to become. But then, as you've seen many many times over the years. Teams will revert back to who they are in the playoffs. And last night, the Yankees reverted back to who they were. They got absolutely stymied. They hit a home run in the ninth inning. Really didn't matter. Um, and they lose that game 6-2. So the Red Sox move on. They're going to be taking on the Tampa Bay Rays. <coughs> Pardon me. In the American League Divisional Series, it's a five-game series that starts Thursday. We'll talk more Major League Baseball coming up in uh, in the show. Also, the uh, National League Wild Card is tonight. Dodgers and Cardinals. Amazing that a team that won a hundred and what hundred and six games, Dodgers won one hundred and six games, 
uh, taking on a team who ended the season on nearly a 17-game winning streak are playing each other in a one-game wild card. But that's just how good the rest of the National League was this year. So should be a great game tonight. Max Scherzer on the bump for the Dodgers, taking on Adam Adam Wainwright for uh, for the St. Louis Cardinals. Should be a good one. We'll have more of that. Uh, we'll do a little preview of that for you coming up a little bit later on the show when we talk baseball. Also, Phoenix Suns are in the uh, the news not only because preseason has begun, but because Phoenix Suns be doing what the Phoenix Suns be doing, as they've done so many, many times under Robert Sarver. They are neglecting to sign superstars to extended uh, max contracts and things with the, the, the team talks with DeAndre Ayton have stalled, and this could be a problem. You know, this is a, a locker room that is predicated on chemistry. You know, this is, a, this is a very tightly knit locker room. It's a big reason why they ended up in the NBA Finals, and now the owner wants to come in and start, mm, I, don't know. I don't know about spending money on my players. Eee, boy, oh boy, oh boy, it's tough to be a Suns fan sometimes, right? So we'll talk about that coming up. In, uh, in a little bit later on the show today as well because definitely want to get on that because before I left you guys, <clears throat> we had talked about the Suns extending DeAndre Ayton when that was going to happen. <clears throat> I was feeling pretty confident uh, a week and a half, two weeks ago that it was going to happen. I felt like maybe the Suns were waiting to, to make an announcement for both Mikel Bridges and for DeAndre Ayton's extensions at the same time. They didn't want to single a player out. However... <laughs> Uh, according to uh, ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski, they are uh, they are not talking with DeAndre Ayton right now about an extension, which is disappointing, among other words, to say the least. But we begin with some different kind of basketball. As last Saturday night at McHale Center, or Saturday afternoon, I guess I should say, the Arizona Wildcats and Tommy Lloyd's first season in Tucson, we got to see our first uh, our first glimpse of this new basketball team this season. The red-blue uh, scrimmage, red-blue game, and the festivities took place at the McHale Center. Crowd of about 7,200 there. Not bad. Uh, still, dis- dis- I'm, I mean, I'll be honest, I'm disappointed in uh, Citizens of Tucson uh, not cracking over $7 for a ticket to go see the red-blue contest. Um, I thought the, uh, the atmosphere could have been better. You know, those young men have been waiting for a long time to play in front of a crowd. And uh, I'll be honest with you, I thought the, I thought, I thought the atmosphere could have been better. There have been a lot more fans there, and I know there's things going on, and it's COVID and all this other stuff. People don't want to go out. Uh, there's plenty of ways for you to continue to practice social distancing in those situ- certain situations. You can wear your mask inside, obviously. People are asked to wear their masks inside. Um, you know, I, I think with, what is it, 80, 85%, 88% or something like that of the state of Arizona is uh, is vaccinated. So, um, yeah, a little disappointed in the uh, in the crowd. To be honest with you, I mean, I've been going to red-blue contests since midway through the Lute Olsen era. They're always sold out. Sometimes we've sold them out in 15 minutes. And uh, this one was, I, I guess I don't, I guess I'm not understanding. Like, I love this team. I love the hype that's surrounding this team. And when I say hype, I mean just here locally. The, the Nationally, they're not really being recognized. This is not going to be a team that's going to be ranked in the preseason top 25. But if you were there, or if you watched it on TV, I guess, um, you saw some uh, some really, really nice things from the players that were here. And it, look, it's only going to get better. Tommy Lloyd's system is going to be fun to watch. 
It's going to be a very fan-friendly experience, in my opinion. It's going to be uh, wide open, lots of running, lots of gunning. Players are going to be offered to you know green lighted to take big shots at, at you know any time down the floor. I thought it was pretty funny. There was uh, some interactions, and <clears throat> look, I you know I, I, because of where I sit for the games and such, I'm I'm privy to a lot of the conversations that go on right in front of me because the coach's box is right in front of me. So Tommy Lloyd's coaching box ends right where I sit. And so there are a lot of conversations with players that occur there as they're coming off the floor or whether he's talking to them on the floor. There are interactions with officials that, that occur. And I think one of my favorite ones was one of the Pac-12 officials had uh, had walked over to Kerr. They were coming out of a, uh, coming out of a, uh, a break. It was uh, the halftime break is what it was. Coming out of the halftime break, Kerr's walking onto the floor. And the official walks over and says, man, you guys trying to kill me. This is my- I haven't done a basketball game in a while because, you know, they've been off, obviously. Uh, <laughs> I, haven't been, I haven't done a game in a while. You guys trying to kill me. Talking about the, the pace that Arizona was running. I mean, they were running up and down the floor, running full speed. And, <laughs> and Kurt turns and goes, he goes, he goes, blame him. He points at, at uh, Coach Tommy Lloyd. He goes, blame him. It's all his fault. Talk to him. He goes, I- I'm tired too. <laughs> and then Kerr pulls himself midway through. The second half, Creasa comes walking over. He taps out. He's like, I need, I need a breather. Tommy walks up to him and says, are you my 12-minute-a-game guy now? So a lot of fun interactions there. You can tell. Uh, look, first of all, we kind of got a glimpse of, of Kirk Creasa's personality over the last season and a half before he came, before he actually even showed up on campus. He said that he was going to wear the number 25. He's going to be honored to wear the number 25. He's going to put Kerr on the back of his jersey to honor Steve Kerr, of course, the great uh, Arizona Wildcat player. So we knew that he, what kind of a personality he was bringing with him to the, uh, you know, to the team, to the town. And we got to see some of that last year. Unfortunately, we only got to see him play in eight games. Um, and it was a COVID year, so fans didn't get to really interact and see his, his, you know, the way that he was on the court with his teammates. Now we're kind of seeing, you know, a little bit more of that personality. And look, Tommy Lloyd, the way that he coaches his players, you know, he's very much, um, you know, he's 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 very much a, a, a player's kind of like feel it out kind of coach. He's he's very approachable, very down to earth. You know, the players just kind of enjoy just having him around. It's a weird thing to you know enjoy having your coach around. They and you know he loves his players and they and they love him. And you know it's interesting to be able to establish that kind of chemistry, that kind of emotional connection. This early, this soon with a basketball team just tells you what kind of a, a personnel motivator Tommy Lloyd is. And, I, look, I think things are going to work out just fine. Um, this Arizona team, the, the Pac-12 is, is going to be very, very good this year. Very good. UCLA is spectacular this year. They've got uh, – they're, I mean, they're a, they're a top five preseason team, no doubt. Um, Oregon is going to be extremely talented, and we all know that Dana Altman can coach his arse off. He's one of the best coaches in the entire country, let alone just in the Pac-12. So we know what he brings to the table as, as a great coach. You know, there are some other programs here. Obviously, the team up north in Tempe, they've got some interesting transfers. Uh, the, the kid from uh, Toledo, who is a you know really good point guard playmaker for Bobby Hurley, that's going to be an interesting program to watch as they had a couple of guys come back to the program and some transfers and some recruits. So uh, it'll be an interesting mix up there from the, uh, from the team up north. Hard to say what Oregon State is going to do off of their run in the in the postseason last year. With you know, Will Wayne Tinkle 
be able to, to, you know, to use that as a springboard to this season. USC loses maybe the best player. I, I, I don't want to say the best player they've ever had. Well, certainly one of the best players they've ever had in that program and Evan Mobley uh, to the NBA. I mean, look, I know fans didn't get a chance to watch him play, and it's really, it's really unfortunate we only got to watch him play on TV because I got to see him in person just the one time. He, he's, he's spectacular. Uh, he, he Easily one of the three best rookies uh, in the NBA this year. Well, uh, it'll be interesting to see what he does uh, at, the, at the next level starting this season. So, um, you know, there are some really, really good teams. Stanford, Jared Haas has got himself a really good recruiting class, one of the better ones that they've had in some time. So Stanford's going to be really good. This is a very, very talented Pac-12. And I think it's, it's you know, for, for Wildcat fans, it's like we're either going to be number one or number two in the Pac-12 every single year. We, we won't take anything less, okay? You, you might have to this year, okay? You might have to say, look, I think a fifth-place finish is going to be good for us. I think a fourth-place finish is going to be good for us because when it's all said and done, once the dust has settled and the committee picks their 68 teams, it's very, very. It's a it's a high possibility that the Pac-12 could get six play, uh, six teams into the tournament this year. That's how good the Pac-12 is. Strength of schedule also looks pretty good for a lot of the Pac-12 teams. So their SOS is going to be high. Um, they're you know not the RPI. They don't go off the RPI anymore, but their index number is going to be is going to be high. So uh, Pac-12 teams are going to be competing for those for those spots, and I think anywhere between five and seven Pac-12 teams could make their way in. Um, if the season plays out the way that I think it should. Arizona's got an exciting schedule. I'm looking forward to the non-con schedule and then, of course, the conference schedule with the new 20-game schedule and things like that for the second season now coming in uh, to play. They're gonna, we're getting an early look at uh, some conference teams as well before uh, Christmas, so we get to see some of that uh, play in as well. I'm really excited for this team, and if you got a chance to watch the game, I'd love to hear what excited you about this team. You can share that with me. Uh, you can always go on to Twitter at UAZ Voice. That's at UAZ Voice on Twitter. Uh, and I'll, again, we're working on the email. <laughs> we're trying to get the alternate email set up. Um, we'll get that set up shortly, I promise you. We'll get that set up so that way you guys can interact and I can read emails live on the show and you guys can uh, can interact that way as well. But I'd love to see, you know, to hear what you what you thought. I know people talking a lot about Kim Aiken and his three-point shooting. You know, Kim came in here last year with Ewash, uh, with the team that he was with in the Big Sky, as he is the uh, the reigning defensive player of the year in the conference. And he shot one for ten, I think, against Arizona in the game last year. Sean, uh, Sean Miller just he, he schemed him out of the game. I mean, he knew they were he was Ewash's best player, schemed him out of the game, really made him uncomfortable. He went one for ten in that game. Then he spent the offseason shooting with Corey Kispert. Like, if you were to ask me, like, hey, if you could spend the offseason shooting with someone, not a pro player, but shooting with, with a collegiate player, like, you know, a guy who's available in college before he heads off to the NBA, uh, who, would you, who would you spend time shooting with? I'd be like, Corey Kispert, please sign me up for that. Uh, that dude's sick. Like, he's, he's a hell of a shooter. And Kim Aiken spent a lot of time with him in the gym shooting, learning. Um, taking some some pointers and some tips, and apparently it wore off on him because he went four for four from beyond the arc, looked completely comfortable shooting the ball from the outside like that. And if he can be a three and D guy, like I didn't expect him to be a three and D guy. I just expecting to be like, okay, he's going to play the three four. He'll play great defense. He can run. He brings great experience and leadership to this to the floor. This will be great. 
I didn't know he could spread the floor now and shoot threes. So he's put put something on film now, at least for other coaches to be like, ah, oh, crap. <laughs> we got to deal with this guy shooting threes now. So that was good to see. Um, I also thought Christian Coloco played with a lot of confidence. Uh, obviously, defensively, he has gotten so much better. I mean, he was second in the conference in block shots last year. Uh, I fully b- believe that he'll be near the top again this year. You know, Oregon players are always near the top because that's that's the kind of scheme, the defensive scheme that that uh, that Dana Altman runs over there. They get a lot of block shots at Oregon, but um, Coloco, I, I I do believe he'll be at the top or very very near the top in block shots in the Pac-12 this year. The wings all looked good. I'm very happy with what I saw from Benedict Matherin, from Dalen Terry. I thought Dalen played ex- exceptionally well defense. Um, he was he was running the floor. He played defense. He looked confident. And again, I continue to sing praises of Julius Tabellis and just how good of a player he is. Just how well rounded of a player he is. He dominated that game. I mean, it was again, it was a scrimmage against his own players. Seven for seven from the field. Seven rebounds. Really didn't make any mistakes. Um, he runs the floor like a horse. He can spread the floor. I'm shocked that we didn't see him shoot any threes. I think, I think Azulis takes things very seriously. <laughs> He's very businesslike, is what it seems like to me. And he was not about, about having uh, games and um, and just flippantly throwing you know thirty footers into the air. Uh, he was there. He was. It was business time for Azulis to Bellis. I know you like to see that. Guy's all business. Brings his hard hat and his lunch pail. <laughs> I hate that that term, but that's that's the one we're used to. Uh, but look, I was I was very encouraged by what I saw out of a lot of the players. I'm really excited about this year's team, and I hope you guys get behind it as well. It's uh, it's going to be a fun year. Front court is going to be great. The wings are fantastic, and it's going to be fun to watch that backcourt. Justin Kyer has got a nice release, and it, I've got my first look at him really up close and personal. Got a really nice release. Uh, runs the floor well. Looks looks like a good player. He's just got the body of a good player. So uh, very excited about this uh, this upcoming season. Kirk Creesa, of course, going to be a lot of fun to watch. And all the guys. We get Pella Larson back. Get a, a dynamite shooter on the team. So going to be a good team this year. And uh, Wildcat basketball is looking real good under the helm of Tommy Lloyd. So we'll keep you. Uh, we'll keep more of that. Obviously, with their schedule coming out and things like that, we've got. Um, we've got plenty of, uh, of information and Wildcat basketball to talk throughout the season. Join Spears and Ali this Friday from 3 to 6 for Bear Down Friday at Main Gate Square. You can join the community as we cheer on the U of A football team. Now there's happy hour between 4 and 7 at the restaurants and the patios adjacent to where the pep rally is going to be taking place. The pep rally begins at 6 p.m., features the Pride of Arizona Marching Band, U of A cheerleaders are going to be there, the Palm Squad, the Twirling Team, and, of course, the lovable Wilbur and Wilma mascots will be there as well. There's chances to win game tickets uh, at the different booths separated, uh, scattered around the, uh, the, uh, the, the Bear Down Friday and Main Gate Square there. So come on down and check it out. If you want more information, you can go to ESPNTucson.com for Bear Down Fridays. Also, uh, remember, at any time, I could give out the, uh, uh, the text to win for my tickets to this Saturday's game, so be listening for that as well. When we return, some reactions from the weekend that was in football, both college and pro. That's next. It's the Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Now back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. 
NFL Week 5 is here, ladies and gentlemen, and FanDuel Sportsbook wants you to get the most out of every play. That's why they're giving everyone a $10 risk-free bet every single week. Thursday nights are the best time to do it, uh, to give it a try, because all you have to do is bet a same-game parlay with three legs or more, and if your bet doesn't win, FanDuel will pay you back up to $10. Now, the same-game parlays have been a lot of fun. I, I have a love-hate relationship with them because I love playing them, and I love coming up with some cool combinations for same-game parlays, and they feel really good when you cash them in. But, <laughs> man, you get two or three, and then you miss on the one, and you're like, man, why didn't I go the other way with that one? Now, this Thursday game, of course, NFC West battle between the Rams and the Seahawks. Uh, look, the SGP in this game for me is going to be Matthew Stafford over in his passing yards. I'm going to take the Rams' money line. Um, I, I, just, I still like the way they're playing. I think it's a little wake-up call, their loss to the Cardinals over the weekend. And I'm going to take the over total points in the second half. America's number one sports book, of course, is FanDuel Sportsbook. It's easy to use, it's safe and secure, and it features fast payouts. You get paid out in just less than uh, 24 hours. So get on there. Try out the new SGP on Thursday night football for Rams Seahawks coming up tomorrow night. And if you're new to FanDuel Sportsbook, sign up today with the promo code DEAN. That's my last name, D-E-A-N. You can also receive a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's right, $1,000 risk-free, but you got to use my promo code DEAN so that they know that I sent you to give you that particular uh, promotion. Arizona 21 and over in President AZ. Refund is issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in seven days. Max refund is $10. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Same game parlay is available for multiple sports in all states and mobile and web. If you think you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342. So plenty of college football over the weekend. And, again, lots of upsets. I think it's, what is it, the, the, the tally is now 34 top 25 teams have lost, which is uh, still an ongoing record in college football history. So we are witnessing history once again. Seems to happen every time as the parody gets uh, more and more intense. Teams are leveling the playing field, and a ranked team can get beat at any time, unless your name is Alabama or Georgia, apparently, this year, because those team, two teams look absolutely ridiculous. Oregon, though, sitting at the number three spot, went to Stanford and lost again to Stanford, this time on a controversial penalty that forced overtime that saw Stanford go ahead and take the win, 31-24 over the Ducks. And I think, look, there's still, I know we talk about this all the time, and they're like, because every week is like a playoff, right? Everybody likes to talk about every week. Every week's a playoff. You get eliminated every single week in college football. That's just not the case anymore. Okay, when, with the BCS it kind of was, but in, in this day and age, it, it's not really that you know that way anymore. And it look, it still means a lot. The fact that Oregon lost on the road to Stanford, may keep them out of the college football playoff. But here's the thing, folks. 34, I just mentioned it, 34 top 25 teams have lost. We don't know who's going to lose next. Maybe Bama loses. Maybe Georgia loses. Maybe Cincinnati loses. Maybe Iowa loses. Maybe Ohio State loses again. We don't know yet, okay? So there's still a lot of season to go. If Oregon can bounce back from this, if they can look dominant in victories throughout the rest of the season, win the Pac-12 t- uh, ch- uh, title as far as in, the, in the, the Pac-12 title game, if they get there because Oregon State right now is sitting atop the, uh, the, the Pac-12 North. But if they can get back and they can win out, they're a one-loss team that lost a game in overtime on the road to Stanford. We don't know what Stanford's going to be. You know, they, they Obviously, they smash-caked USC, got Clay Helton fired, and have been playing a lot better 
since their uh, since their early season loss to Kansas State, and Kansas State has been playing much better. So again, <laughs> we don't know yet what's exactly going to happen. There's still plenty of college football to be played. Speaking of plenty of college football, there's plenty of college football to discuss, and we'll do that next right here on the Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. Welcome back to the Jeff Dean Show here on a Wednesday morning. So glad to be back. You go on vacation and you're just like, like I'm, I'm having a good time. I'm enjoying myself. But you're always thinking about what's going on at home. What's going on at home? What's going on in sports? And I, I was kind of disconnected somewhat. I tried to connect myself as best I could. But obviously, you're on vacation. You've got things planned. Things are busy. And you don't, you're don't, you not paying real close attention. Uh, kind of had to get everything on the backside over the last uh, over the last day or so, kind of catching th- things up, like with college football. You know, I mentioned that. People are freaking out, and people started freaking out. I was getting text messages Saturday night, like, oh, Pac-12 did it again. They just screwed themselves. They cannibalized. Now we're not going to get into the playoff again. Thanks a lot, Oregon. Thanks a lot, Stanford, whatever. And Oregon played terribly in that game. Uh, I, I was able to read some some articles on it, and even the Oregon, the, the, the biggest Oregon homers on earth uh, basically said, look, it was an unfortunate call at the end of the game, but it never should have gotten to that point because of how badly Oregon played. Um, I don't know if, obviously, Arizona fans may want to take credit for this, uh, but I don't know if Arizona exposed anything from Oregon that Ohio State wouldn't have or any of their previous opponents wouldn't have. But you'd like to think that maybe they did kind of expose a little something. Maybe they showed that, uh, you know, on film, a team that has gotten pushed around on several occasions this season was able to go up to Oregon and push them around a little bit, which gave the other teams looking at that film uh, some confidence. Not that Stanford needs any confidence for pushing people around. That's what they do. And I mentioned that, look, it's a long season to go. There's still plenty of opportunity for Oregon to bounce back and get back in. They're only ranked eighth in the country still. So there's still plenty of opportunity for them to get back into this thing. They need some help. Okay, There's going to need to be some losses in there. Uh, but, you know, uh, it, uh, look, mainly, the, I think the Big Ten is kind of like their biggest, their biggest problem right now. The Big Ten's got three really good teams that could end up uh, in that playoff, including a team that they beat, who's bouncing back. Now, one team who did themselves a ton of favors over the weekend with a big win, they went into South Bend, beat Notre Dame. Of course, we're talking about Cincinnati. Held Notre Dame to 13 points in their home field, and really, you know, kind of dominated that game for 60 minutes from you know from kick to uh, to whistle they essentially dominated that football game and uh former head coach brian kelly so it gave them a huge boost and a lot of people are saying well that this is you know, this opens the door for them to get into the college football playoff and it may however uh the rest of and we talked about this on the show a couple of times the rest of their season the rest of their schedule is it's not great because they play conference schedule now, the All-American Conference, and it's not considered to be a great conference. Now, they have usually one or two really good teams every year, but it's not a great slate up and down. Now, the problem is probably their best game remaining was against UCF, okay, the Golden Knights. Of course, a team that has uh, competed for New Year's Six Bowls and things like that. They were a, a playoff candidate 
Uh, at times, they decided to go out and lose to Navy over the weekend. Navy, who was terrible this year, actually terrible the last two years. They were bad last year, too, um, or at least started the season that way. I, again, we threw out last year. But UCF goes out and loses to, loses to Navy. Now UCF is 2-2. Two and two. So when they meet in a couple of weeks, it's going to be like, meh, okay, you beat a really average Central Florida team. Yay. And then Memphis, who's another team that's got you know plenty of street cred out there, they went and lost to Temple over the weekend. <laughs> so, so here's Cincinnati feeling good about themselves. They're like, yes, we have beaten Notre Dame. We are un- we are undefeated. Now we're going to move into our conference schedule. We are going to, you know, we're we're, we're going to have we've got our eyes, our sights set on a on a you know college football playoff. And then UCF, UCF and and uh, Memphis go out there and they twirl their mustaches and say, <laughs> "Not so fast." We're going to start losing the teams here. Now there are some other good teams on the schedule. I mean, I, when I say good teams, I mean eh, okay. They play SMU later in the year. SMU's right now five and zero. Sonny Dykes has got that team playing extremely well. Uh, Tulane is a fun team to watch. They're not going to get a lot of credit for beating them, nor are they going to get a beat a lot of credit for beating a team like Tulsa, who has been playing very very competitively in their non-con so far as well this year. Uh, so. They're just not going to get credit for playing those teams. Those are tough wins. Those are tough games for Cincinnati, but they're not going to get much credit for them. So this might be the ceiling for Cincinnati. They need a lot of things ahead of them to break their way. Now, I know you can only go out. You can only beat the teams that are on your schedule, okay? But you gotta you got to have some help. And this is why this is why Cincinnati decided to move into the Big 12 they're going to be taking that taking that leap into uh, big boy football in a couple of years, joining the Big Twelve along with, of course, BYU and Houston, and it, it it'll be it'll be interesting to see what happens then. Now I know Luke Fickle, what is he like, forty six, forty seven years old, pretty young guy. He spent his entire coaching career, playing career, you know, in the state of Ohio, and people are talking about, oh, he's going to be up for the USC job and stuff. I don't think he's leaving. I really don't think he is. First of all, his son is a freshman tight end at Cincinnati. And, yeah, he could just pack up and, you know, like, okay, come on, son, we're going to go play for USC now. We're going to get you in and, you know, look at, like, all the nepotism in the world. But you know, I also got to remember that Fickle has a family. He's got a wife. He's got five other kids. All of them are in high school or lower, and they're all from Ohio. His wife's from Ohio. His family, all, I mean, he's been in Ohio his entire life. So I don't see him just packing up and moving for the West Coast. I think Luke Fickle is long for Cincinnati, and unless the Ohio State job opens up miraculously, like Ryan Day takes an NFL job or something, I don't think he's leaving. So Cincinnati will get their chance eventually. I just don't think it's going to be this year or next. They, you know, again, things are going to have to break right for them. And like I said, there's a long season, but their resume is not going to look as good at the end of the season as an Oregon. Like, let's say, let's say Oregon wins out. The rest of this season, okay? They finish the season twelve and one. They win the Pac-12. Their twelve and one record is going to look better than Cincinnati's thirteen and zero record if Cincinnati wins out. It's just going to look better. The resume is going to be better. I know there's the one, the one loss on the uh, on the schedule, and I can tell you what's going to happen in that committee room. They're going to say, well, it happened on the road 
in overtime against Stanford. And David Shaw and this and that and you know and who knows what Stanford does the rest of the year. Maybe they maybe they win five more games the rest of the year, finish the game with or finish the season with eight or nine wins this year. They're bowl eligible. And everybody's like, that's a really good Stanford team. <laughs> Once they got the quarterback figured out, that, that, you know, they they be a really good really good football team. So I just I, you can see that happening. And look, it kind of sucks, but this is you know this is an opportunity for for us to take a look at the the landscape of college football and say these are the things that need to change and here's why. And I know that expansion is one of the things that people talk about all the time with college football. Do they expand the playoffs? How many teams do we go to? I'm I'm still not huge on expansion. I'm not I'm not real big on it. I still my model is still sticking in my mind. I still want the six team playoff. Get the five the five conference winners, the five power five conference winners. You win your conference, you're in. Period. End of story. Win the conference and you're in. Okay? And then you get one at large bid. One at large bid. And that would be the highest ranked team that did not win their conference. Okay, so let's say Georgia and Alabama face each other in the SEC title game. They're both undefeated. Let's say Georgia wins that game. Okay? Georgia automatically gets in because they won the SEC. Bama would be probably the number four or five ranked team in the country, but they did not win the SEC, obviously losing the title game, but they would get in as the at-large team. And I think everybody would be okay with that. And I know, I know, people out there are like, well, it doesn't give the, the G5s a chance. It doesn't give the G5s a chance. We've seen G5s in games, in playoff games. People want to say, oh, it was a Boise State and Oklahoma. Okay, lightning in a bottle, Chris Peterson. We know that Bob Stoops lost big games. He's always called big game Bob, but he, he, like he lost more big games than he won. That was, that was, I mean, I was at that game. Okay, I was there. I was standing right next. I was standing on the goal line when cause the overtime the overtime period was played at the goal line right in front of me on the, on the, uh, the northern goal line. I was standing right there at the goal line when, Adrian Peterson ran past me on the first play of overtime, 25-yard uh, sweep play around the left side. He ran right past me. I was like, wow, the dude's fast and really big. And then Ian Johnson scores the game-winning two-point conversion, throws the ball up to his dad. It all happened within three feet of me. Proposed to his girlfriend, all right there. Chris Myers and his cameraman come and blast me out of the way and sticks the camera in, in Ian Johnson's face. I was there. It was, it was the most insane atmosphere I've ever been to in my life as far as a football game goes. It was, it was completely out of control. You, you throw that one out. Chalk it up. Okay, great game, great win for a Boise State team, and it opened the door for a lot of non-automatic qualifiers, essentially non-Power 5 schools, to think that they could, the little engines that could. Other than that, eh. People, Utah beat Alabama in the Sugar Bowl. First of all, Alabama could not have cared less about playing in that football game. I remember talking about it. I was on I, I had a radio show at the time and I'm like, Alabama's got a real good chance of losing this game because this is that situation where they don't care. They're not playing for a championship, so they don't care. And they didn't. They got whooped. They came out completely asleep in that game. So, I don't want to hear people say, "Oh, the G5s don't get a chance. G5s don't get a chance." We've given them chances. And in a game that matters, against a coach and a team that is motivated to try to win a championship, G5s will get run over. Now, maybe, just maybe, a G5 would beat a Big 12 school or a Pac-12 school or an ACC school that gets in, a champion that, you know, that, that 
maybe has an injury at quarterback or is you know, some kind of a paper champion. Let, you know, let's you know some some team rises up in a, with an eight and four record and wins the, the wins the, the 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 conference based on some kind of a fluke play in the championship game. Who knows? Okay, it could happen. But I'm telling you, folks, there are a lot of scenarios where you're like, well, if this happens and this and this and if this and but this and and this and if, I, I, look, if ifs and buts were candies and nuts, we'd all have a Merry Christmas. That's just not the way the game works. G5s don't belong in a power conference playoff. They just don't. Until they prove that they do, I'm going to be against the big expansion of 12 teams. So, talking about these teams, like Oregon State might win the North. They could they could very well win the North because they're in first place right now. They just beat Washington over the weekend. Oregon State continues to play great football. Arizona State currently sitting on top of the Pac-12 South. They went into the Rose Bowl, put an absolute whooping on UCLA, and I mean whooping. So UCLA going to come into Tucson licking their wounds uh, and looking very, very much more beatable than they were three weeks ago when they beat LSU. We'll talk about that, of course. We have a full preview coming up later in the week and over the next couple of days for that as well. All right, this is your chance, ladies and gentlemen. Speaking of uh, Wildcats and UCLA, this is your chance to win a pair of my tickets to Saturday's game. I want you to text the word DEAN. That's my last name, D-E-A-N. Text the word DEAN to 68683. Type in 68683. Text the word DEAN for your chance to win a pair of tickets to this Saturday's game against the Bruins. They are my tickets. We're going to have two winners that are announced on Friday morning. You now have a small window to get those texts in, and we'll do another one in uh, in hour number two as well. So this is your chance to get those tickets. Text DEAN to 68683 for your chance to win. Good luck. Message and data rates may apply. When we return, we'll start talking some NFL. A lot of interesting stories and news and notes in the world of pro football from Sunday and moving forward. You're listening here on ESPN Tucson to the Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. More of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Quick segment here, followed by a quick break, and then we'll be back for the top of the hour. Of course, we just have that quick little two-minute, as Chuck Woolery would say, from Love Connection, and I'm dating myself here. We'll be back in two and two. (laughs) So remember, that top of the hour break is real, real fast, so don't go anywhere. Um, We're going to start talking NFL. We're going to transition into that as uh, we talked some, some college football already, gave you my thoughts on some of the things going on. In the NFL, Obviously, the story right now is the Arizona Cardinals. They routed the Rams 37-20 in Los Angeles. Kyler Murray continues to wow people in that offense. Uh, he's moving up the charts for the MVP favorite, of course, in the league. Chase Edmonds absolutely gashed the Rams defense. The Cardinal defense forced two turnovers. I mean, things are good right now for the Arizona Cardinals. And they, I mean, look, that game, I was, I was watching um, updates and trying to catch – you know, live updates and things as you know, as often as I could, getting live tweets and checking on highlights and things like that from the NFL apps and whatnot. It, they just, I mean, they dominated the game from the get-go. Like, the, the Rams, the Rams played well. Like, I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, the Rams were able to move the ball, but turnovers and certain, you know, poor decisions on 
big plays, and you know, the Cardinals were able to get enough, uh, you know, in, in third down situations to get the Rams off the field. And then the Cardinals, when you give them the ball, you're just asking for trouble at this point. You you cannot afford to give the ball back to the Arizona Cardinals right now. They are their offense is just clicking. Those wide receivers are really, really causing some trouble, and it's opening things up in the running game because I sure as hell didn't expect them to run the football the way they did against the Rams, and I don't think the Rams did either. Hell, I don't know if the Cardinals expected to be able to run the football as well as they get against the Rams. But that passing game and having Kyler Murray back there scrambling around, shifty, you can't see him anywhere. He's 5'7". I mean, it, he's... They're a difficult team to defend because of their personnel. They're just so good. They've they've got playmakers all over the place. And it's starting to open things up in the running game. And when that happens, that's, that's bad news for everybody. But the Cardinals now, the only unbeaten team remaining. It has happened. They are the only unbeaten team left in the NFL. Never thought I'd see the day, but here we are, nonetheless. (laughs) All right, coming up in hour number two, we'll continue some NFL talk. We'll talk Major League Baseball playoff, the Phoenix Suns, hesitant to re-sign DeAndre Ayton to an extension, and more tickets to give away to Saturday's Arizona Wildcat game. Stick around. Quick, quick turnaround here. More of this on the Jeff Dean Show here on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. From the Casino Del Sol studio, the soul of Tucson, this is ESPN Tucson. KFFN Tucson. KWCX Tanka Verde. KMXZ HD4 Tucson.